Thank you for Ian, Lord. Thank you for the gift you've given to him to speak your word. And we pray you give us ears to hear what you have to say to us today. Bless him, anoint him, and uh, bless us as we hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today is foggy. We remember on the day we got married, um, 51 years ago, it was trying to snow. Uh, we got married on the 13th, and it bothered my mother that it was the 13th. She was a bit, you know, superstitious. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a glorious day. The strange thing was there's a Sunday we went into the city centre in London to, because uh, we were in the Pentecostal church, and you only go to a Pentecostal church in those days, so we went to the, into the centre of London, got on the tube train, and we were amazed. Nearly everybody on this tube train had got medals on. I'm sure that tube train must have been weighed down by the weight of all the medals that were, that were on it. It was quite interesting. Anyway, I want to carry on in Ephesians. Um, my two verses from, six, from uh, Ephesians 6 is verses 11 and 13. If we could have them on, please, if possible. I think my version should be the same and it says this put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand when I looked at this scripture the first thing that thought came to me was that God was saying as believers we're at war and we are at war with the enemy he doesn't like us he didn't like Jesus and um, he doesn't like us because we we're followers of him now we are living in difficult days I don't want to go on too much about that but we are living in very difficult days people are in fear We've talked to quite a lot of people just recently. They're worried about finance. They're worried about health. They're worried about relationships and many other things. And we look what's happening in the world today. It's um, just like the Bible says that things will happen. There's wars, there's climate change, there are disasters, and we can go on. I don't want to bring you down. I'll, I'll encourage you right at the end. Don't worry about that. <laughs> you might have to wait till the end. But we, then we say, well, what about us? We're Christians. What's going to happen to us? Well, we won't escape it. We're, we're, although it's a fallen world, we've got to live in it. And with other people that are going through, the, we go through the same things as other people in the world. And um, it was interesting. Somebody said to us, uh, a believer, she said, when Colvin was around, she says, well, we're Christians, we won't get it. Well, I'm sure if I went around the room that quite a lot of you will get it, and it's interesting that that person got COVID twice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's um, what it's about. We will not escape it. We've got God on our side, and he'll bring us through. And he tells us how to fight the enemy, the enemy of our soul. Spiritual warfare, our God will bring us through. But see, we've got a choice. 
I, I believe that we can keep our head down and hope that nothing happens and that it goes away. Well, it won't go away, I'm afraid. We can run away, and we, but it's a war. Running away, well, we can hide, but that will do us no good. We need to stand, and of course that's what goes all through this chapter, all about standing. It's no use looking to the left or the right. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We've got to be full of faith, not of fear. And I know it's, it's not easily done. But as we keep our eyes on Jesus, it, it changes the atmosphere. I remember some years ago, we were on a holiday in Egypt. And we went on a, what, a boat trip. And we're out at sea, everything was lovely, sun shining, it was one of these boats that had not, not got much cover, Jenny had gone swimming, and, the, and all at once there was a squall. And the boat started rocking sideways, forwards, it went in every, every area that it could. I got sick. You didn't really want to know that, did you? But I, I got sick. But it was violent. And it was funny that the agent from the uh, holiday company, he says, oh, don't worry. We, we, can, uh, we can last it out. The storm got worse and he disappeared. We never saw him again. But the one thing I can remember is that there was rails around the side. A lot of people were, well, folks were sliding in all directions. But I can remember holding on to the railings and standing. And then I was safe. I wouldn't float about on the floor like some people were. Just standing. And we need to stand in storms. And we knew it was bad because as it was rocking about, we could see the land not too far away. And all the people were coming out of the offices and everything and standing and looking at us and think, there's something going on there. Then the man who was driving the boat... He went the opposite direction. He wasn't going to the land. But then he turned, and I don't know whether it's an accelerator they've got on the boat, and it went full blast straight towards the, um, towards the land. And, of course, we got off, and everybody was clapping and cheering. But that thought of standing, holding fast, I couldn't have sat down. I'd have been all over the place, but holding onto that side. We don't have to worry, though, because he that's within you is greater than he that's in the world. God's not left us unprotected or ignorant of the devices that we're against. He's prepared us to battle. He's not left us in the dark. He describes everything that's going to happen. Now, 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us when we're tempted, he provides a way out, a way of escape. And so that you can stand, it says, and, and hold on to the teaching that you're given. That teaching is the Word of God. And it, I think it's great. I like it here because we get different speakers. We don't get the same person, the same views. We've got people with slightly different views at times. Nothing wrong in that. It's good to hear. But the main thing is, we, people often say, well, I come to be fed. Yes, that's good. But, you know, we have to feed ourselves. We have to read the Word of God and have views for your own, of your own. Can you remember, Phil, when we were starting Chesterfield off, 
And nearly every time I preached, this bloke come over and met with this local preacher. Nearly after every end of the service said, well, I disagree with that, I don't believe. Well, I said, I don't, I don't mind you disagreeing with me, but why do you disagree with me? And he said, this strange answer, he said, John Wesley didn't say that. And I said, I said what did John Wesley read, the, you know, write the Bible? Is he God? <laughs> no. He was a good bloke. He was a great evangelist. Filled with the spirit, but uh, we can't just go on one one's views. And it's good to get some of our own views. God's providing us for battle. It's, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. You don't have time to be distracted. That's one of the enemy's greatest things as believers. He wants to distract us. We get distracted and we go down all sorts of different roads and it takes us away from the word of God and ourselves. Now the word stand is mentioned 668 times in the Bible. Google says that, so it's got to be right. <laughs> and, well... We're not, we can't quite get through all them scriptures this morning. Not quite. We'll have a go. No, we won't. <laughs> the, arm, <laughs> the armor of God, I'm, well, I'm not going into that because other people preach on it and probably make a far better job. But what it says is the armor of God is not ours. It's God's. That's why it's called the armor of God. And we're told to put it on and you'll have the greatest protection that you could ever have. And that's why we're told to put it on, put on the armor of God. I'm sure sometimes in your life you've been told, don't just stand there, do something. Perhaps your parents told you to do it. Perhaps when you're at work somebody told you, don't stand there, do something. But the word of God doesn't say that at all. Paul's saying stand. Four times he says stand. Stand your ground. And of course it's one of the best things as we stand in God and we're involved in uh, spiritual warfare. God will fight for us. I'm sure many of you have seen the film Braveheart. It normally comes on the television about a dozen times a year. I'm, I'm exaggerating a bit, but it's one of those films that come on and on and on. But there's a great scene in, in Braveheart, and it's where there's the British or, or English and perhaps Welsh army attacking the Scottish. Now, the Scottish are at the bottom of the hill, and uh, the other soldiers, the, I'll say English soldiers, are at the top. And they lead by the cavalry. And you know the cavalry's got their swords and you look at the Scottish um, army and some of their weapons aren't too good. They're uh, agricultural things and things like that. They, on a lot of the wars, they never had the equipment that the English had. There's, but there's a scene and they keep swapping from one to the other. You see the English soldiers, cavalry, coming down the hill, swords drawn. They think, we've got this stitch. They're coming down. Then it shows you the Scottish are there and they're looking a bit wary. Perhaps they're sweating, but they're standing there. 
You know, you, have, you get the panic when you know something's going to happen. Then you go back to them. They're coming down the hill on horseback, and the Scottish are, are there. William Wallace tells them, stop. You know, stop there. Stand your ground. You see, if they run away, they'd have been just cut to pieces. And the picture again keeps coming. Can you picture it in your mind? These horses coming down and the Scottish army. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And they go from one to the other over again. Then Wallace suddenly shouts, Now! And the Scottish soldiers pick up poles. And the poles, they sharpen it at the top. And they don't put them in the ground. They put them the opposite way around. And they're still coming, this, the English. And uh, oh, they can't pull up. And they hit these poles. But, well, rather sadly, most of them get impaled upon the poles. Nobody's cheering. <laughs> I've got to be careful. There's only one member of my family I know that died in the war. And he died fighting in the island, in the Highland Regiment uh, with the Scottish Army. So I'm just being careful on that. But Wallace's men, I think it's Battle of Bannockburn, were victorious. They stood their ground. And you say, well, what, what's that got to do with it? It's a little bit more, isn't it? Because Wallace had a plan. And if you read the Word of God, God's got a plan. It's better than Wallace's, even though it was good. God has got a plan. And so he's saying to, Paul's saying to us this morning, He's telling us, stand your ground. Stand here. Do not retreat. Don't advance. Stand. Because Jesus has the plan. And I believe he is the plan. The answer is, we're not trying to win the war. What are you saying this morning? We're not trying to win the war. No. If you read the word of God, the war's already been won. Jesus won the victory on Calvary. As believers, we've got the victory because it's already been won. Jesus won the entire war when he died and rose again. The enemy was defeated. I'm going to veer off slightly for action. I always ponder how did the people feel that brought about Jesus' death, had him crucified, and three days later he's walking about. What do they you don't hear about them, do you? I wonder if they went into seclusion. I know they tried to blame the soldiers and that. But the battle has already been won. The enemy has been defeated. My question this morning is, are you standing in God's armor? And it's good to keep reading these scriptures. You see, it's useful to put on the armor. It's no good in the wardrobe, and that'll not defend you. But the whole armor, if you put it on, it's good for you. It's in God's manual. And I believe in some ways the, the armor is a bit like Jesus himself. In Romans 13, 14, it says this, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell, G, uh, Paul tells us to wear Jesus. And I don't know, my kind of picture is that you, you, 
who was in chains as, as, a clothe, as a clothing to be clothed. In the morning, we put on our clothes. I hope we do that before our breakfast or after our breakfast. But we're intending to wear those clothes the day all the day. It, those clothes go where we go. They go with us. And they're part of us. And you've got, got to make him, Jesus part of your life every day. Put on Jesus daily, that's what it's saying. But if we did that, I'm sure we would be different people. And if we believe that in the morning, we wouldn't do the stupid things that we do. Or, well, all sorts of things. But put on clothe, clothe yourself. Clothe, put on Jesus. James 5.8 says, Stand firm because the Lord is coming. Be ready. There's a good question. You know what I'm going to say. What if Jesus returned? He could do. Would we be ready? It says it will come at a time when we least expect him. Would we be ready? Would we have the armor of God? Verse 13 talks about that evil day when Satan is working his hardest. I believe we're kind of living in these sort of days today. We're living in unrest, food shortages, money shortages, on we can go. Who do we blame for the situation we're in? A lot of people are blaming the politicians. But the funny thing when I was praying about it, God says, don't give them too much credit because it's the enemy that's causing all this trouble. So the politicians might give him a hand, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not putting that out of mind. Amen. Amen, yeah. But the great thing, I want to finish on this. Uh, God can turn evil for good. He does it over and over again. It's time for the church to rise up, to be a light in this world. And we can do it in so many ways. Bless God for food banks. That's great. The other one is the thing that we started doing... It came from an idea in Chesterfield, by the way, that we have warm rooms and we try to feed people. It was on the news the other day about Chesterfield Football Club had taken it up. Well, we, we w gave a hand in one of the churches on Thursday that was doing that. And it was interesting. Um, we only gave them soup and a cob and loads of cakes. It was brilliant. People sat there because... And I thought, well, why aren't they going home? They've eaten. The place was warm. They stopped there for comfort. Why do they keep coming back for cakes? They were brilliant cakes, don't get me wrong. But they were hungry. And they knew that. It suddenly hit me that these people wanted warmth. They were conversation. We didn't get much chance to witness to them because at one bit it was absolutely cramped full. And the food, well, if they'd eaten food, it, a lot of them were single. That was perhaps one of their meals for the day. One of the funny things was when a lady tried to pay us for it. Everybody behind the counter nearly got overshot. No, we don't take money. We believe Christians. We, we, we want to do this for you. 
Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, but such witnesses, but these are days. Some, year, some time ago when I was speaking about revival and all such things, remember I said that all great moves of God come after difficult times when nations have been in difficulty. It happened in Britain, of course. It happened with the Wesley Revival, Methodist Revival. It happened with the Salvation Army. It happened in America. I'm pondering what's happened. And I've always been a bit careful talking about revival in many ways. But I believe that God's church will rise again as never before. And you know I'm a bit of an anorak on the church services and on prophecy. But over and over again, even now in Britain, I'm hearing great things that are happening in churches. The one interesting fact is, and I've got this off of somebody else, is that most of them are happening in small churches. Now, what, what, what do I call a small church? Well, I call a small church something that's under 200. Praise God, we're in that, aren't we? <laughs> well, I'll put his name down for it. You know, right? <laughs> yeah. I believe God's church is rising up. I, I, one of the groups that were involved in partly in Chesterfield, a group of them went to a prison not long ago. And uh, they put the signs up in the prison that there'd be, a, you know, there'd be a church service. Only six people attended that, six members in, in prison, prisoners. Six people got saved, and after ten minutes, six people got, got baptised in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. It was worth it for that, but these kind of things are happening now all over Britain. God is reviving his church. And that's what I want to encourage you. Don't look on the dark side of everything. Look what God's doing. He's reviving his church. Even though we're living in evil days, God is purifying his church. Remember, Jesus is the victor. Don't look at the troubles of the world because they'll make you despondent. You know, at times we switched off the news on the television and said, we don't want to hear that. It's, it's disaster with the evil and everything else that's going on. Don't get bound up in all these things. Remember that Jesus is the victor and that we will triumph. The troubles of this world will just make you desperate. Stand firm the ground until the day, evil day ends. I know the politicians say this financial thing will happen for five or six years, but those evil days, these evil days will end, and it will be a glorious day, and that, that will never end. So be encouraged. Don't look at what's happening round about you. Look to God. But that one word, if I want to finish off, is stand. We need to stand gloriously. And Lord, we will. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you're a gracious and a glorious God. I thank you that you're a God of triumph and a God of victory. And Lord God, I thank you for the way that you deal with us. Lord God, you said when we go through the fire, we won't get burnt. 
When we go through the floods, we will not drown. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us and you will bring us through every situation that we face in these days. And Lord God, we just thank you that you are on our side. You are the victor and we will follow you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. That's great. Thanks, Ian. Really good word. It's interesting. Well, I started right at the beginning of the meeting with fix your eyes on God. And Ian's word finishes with fix your eyes on God. I think God might be saying something to us. He normally nudges us more than once. But it's when we're in those difficult situations during the week that we fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on God. And as we spoke about last week, what we tend to do is fix our eyes on the circumstance. He says, fix your eyes on the God of the circumstance. Great word. Thank you so much. We have run out of time.